Welcome back to Core Ideas, the podcast interested in all things related to lake sediments and paleolimnology. My name is Adam Jesiorski, and as always, I'm here with my good friend, Josh Steenpont. It's been a while, Adam. How's it going? It has been a while. Well, it's not been a while since I talked to you, but it's definitely been a while since we uh, recorded anything. That's right. Before anyone will hear us talking (laughs) to each other. Yeah, it has. Uh, Episode 51. Pretty big good. numbers, big numbers, big numbers. Yeah, this, this is a real thing now. We were just just before we hit record, we were saying three years, two plus years, whatever it is, been going for a little bit. Um, but time to change it up, I guess. We finished with Northern Perlio in episode 50, a little bit of a celebration, finished off the core reading lists arc. It's time to move on to something else. What are we going to do next? Well. It's funny you should ask, but today's episode, as you hinted there, begins a new arc that is a little bit different from what we've done before. Uh, regular show listeners uh, may be aware that since the start of the show, which is more than three years ago now, both Josh and I have transitioned to new day jobs, <laughs> and Josh is now a tenure-track professor at York University, while I'm a research administrator at Queen's University. And... Both of these positions, in their own way, have provided some new perspective on how academic research is financed, at least in Canada. And so from there, I thought it'd be pretty interesting to talk about some of what we've learned in a new arc that we're going to call Money, Money, Money. Yeah, we. I think we've actually been thinking about this as a, a topic for episodes even going back before those transitions um and maybe it never got we never got around to it because maybe our perspective was different we just didn't know how to come at it we had other things in mind but no i i agree i think this is something that's certainly uh on in the front of uh, my mind a lot and definitely takes up your your day uh, in a lot of ways um, and and maybe will be interesting uh, because it's quite different, especially my assumption, of course, we don't really know this, but is that much of our listenership are graduate students or, you know, not university professors themselves or more senior researchers. If we're wrong, please let us know uh, and we'll just cancel the whole thing. But, um, but I didn't know any of this stuff, really, uh, as a grad student. You get hints of it. But uh, some of the details are, are, are maybe maybe interesting? I think so. Hopefully. I think there's definitely uh, an element of looking behind the curtain involved in all of this. Um, and there is a large element of... If I knew some of the stuff I know now, however many years ago, it would have been pretty useful, I think. Yeah, and, and yeah various, I think so. In various ways, not just... Sometimes in, very personally, for sure. Yeah. And just understanding how the sausage is made a little bit more, I think, yeah. it'll always be valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, and anyway, because this topic falls outside of what we consider our normal beat, uh, we thought today that we're going to begin with an overview episode, previewing some of the topics that we plan to dig into in more detail and how they yep. relate to paleolimnology, which is basically going to be pretty tangential most of the time because it'll be relating to science writ large in many ways. 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's not going to be a lot of paleolimnology specific. Uh, I mean, maybe when uh, when it comes to like funding and equipment and that kind of thing, it'll it'll uh, feed in a little bit more. But uh, I think a lot of this is is pretty broad to uh, science in general. Yeah. We're, we'll be a general science podcast for uh, for a couple of episodes at least. Hmm. Um, but just sort of out of out of context, previous to this and and our new jobs and and you know transitioning to faculty positions or whatever it is the my feeling at least personally and i think i'm speaking for adam here because you know we did our grad work in the same place so it was probably a bit of a culture there is that you really didn't think a, a lot about the day-to-day financing the money 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 of uh, of a university beyond your personal situation you know you apply to grad school you find a research lab and we've talked about all these kind of topics a little bit. Um, and, and the stuff is already there, right? Like cores are there. Um, projects Microsc- are funded. Microscopes, big capital things like microscopes are there. Freeze dryers. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And you, you might be lucky and get to go do some field work. Um, you, you have, you, know, you may pay for some of that yourself. You may have to pay for flights in some occasions it's not going to be booked corporately but sometimes those are too uh but you know it wasn't expected you financed that you came back you put your receipts in and and the money was either given to you in a check or reimbursed or some way and that's kind of it right yeah you apply for your own funding graduate wise um but not much more thought of of the the bigger picture no and as you move on, or especially as you move on through, I guess, graduate school, you may start wondering in more general terms of where does that money come from and how is this stuff financed? And the answer is really simple. Grad students ask professors. Professors ask funding agencies. Funding agencies ask the government slash benevolent billionaires. Case closed. No need for I'm an arc. Done. done. <laughs> so I guess maybe the... Simple answer might not have been totally correct. Yeah, I don't think the case is closed per <laughs> se. But in a great world, if there's a billionaire listening to this episode who wants to uh, be the benevolent benefactor of our lab group, just hit me up, uh, and and we can make that a very simple situation. But in in you know, general, just, just to jump in there, you have rubbed shoulders with billionaires, haven't you? I, I have, That yeah. were funding scientific endeavors for fun. Uh, yes, I have rubbed shoulders with some billionaires. Very uh, literally, not the that hunt many for coins. the endeavor. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but not that many coins fell in for personal research uh, activities, <laughs> though they obviously, you know, that is part of the story. And we'll get there in, in, in due course. Um, it is a little more complicated than that. Oh, okay. uh, there are some steps in in between, at least. Um, that might be it as the basic sense, but at least in Canada, where most of well, all of our experience and, and probably much of the nuance of this discussion over the next few episodes will center, uh, th- there's more to it than that. Although I think in in framing them and thinking about it at a little bit broader scale, the ideas are pretty universal to science, at least in the Western perspective, European, American, the names and acronyms will probably change, but uh, the ideas really don't. Yeah. Like the relative weights of various funding programs and things like that. 
may change mm-hmm. in the nature of 100%. some positions. But in very broad strokes, I think this is the way it's done in yep. the Western university systems. Mm-hmm. Or at least we think so. But we're yeah. going to go with that. Yeah, well, that, that's our working hypothesis, and we'll do a little bit of research as we go, and, and we probably will find out that in some cases that's that's really accurate, and there's maybe not so much, and that'll be interesting to, to dive into, just from my own knowledge, because really, I've never worked anywhere but Canada, never studied anywhere but Canada, um, and so really don't know the other systems, except kind of what you read on Twitter and that kind of thing. Yeah. All right, but... So let's dig into this in a little bit more detail for this kind of preview. Some of the questions that we're going to be asking or talking about in this arc is exactly how is research funded? Um, And we've talked before, we've had a show once upon a time dedicated to, so you want to be a graduate student. Um, And so then, but I don't think we talked too much really about funding in that regard. It was really more about the, um, uh, Choosing a project, choosing a lab, things yeah. that would be involved, thing, thing, useful tips for the act of being a graduate student. But I think mm-hmm. uh, we've got room to talk about things like stipends, scholarships, TA ships, some of the difficulties that today's graduate students are having or, or that are much more acute than was the case for us 15, 20 years ago. Absolutely. Um, because in many ways, uh, at least in Canada, they're getting paid the exact same amount or in yeah. real terms, um, less. Significantly less. Yeah, for sure. The, la- the same amount in dollars <laughs> yeah. and, and in, in, you know, even without the, the inflation the way it is normally, even if inflation were quite normal, that would be a very different uh, amount in, in actual value. Uh, and and it really is the difference between I mean we didn't get paid well no graduate students ever have been paid well in probably the history of academia but we were treading water as opposed to drowning in it drowning in debt yes yeah um, yeah and so then that leads into questions of you know the balance of um, getting finished as quickly as possible to complete your studies versus taking on extra work in order Mm -hmm. to supplement eating um, while you're a graduate student, which was not an issue uh, in the early 2000s. And And the knock-on impacts that has um, on the other side of the fence in terms of recruiting. Huge. Yeah, for sure. And and how difficult that is in different areas, markets, you might call them. You know, if you think of real estate, Toronto is not going to be the same as Kingston, as St. John's, as... Lethbridge uh, as London, England. Like there's quite a variety there. Yes. Lots to talk about on just mm-hmm. the grad student side. Uh, we could also do the same kind of thing on from, so you want to be a professor kind of point of view, which uh, Josh is now acutely familiar with the startup process um, yep. in terms of how is a research program funded? How do you get it started? Building your first partnerships Take some Balancing. accounting courses right now, everyone, <laughs> everyone listening. <laughs> uh, balancing salaries with needs for equipment and the cost of, you know, outreach and getting your research read. Yep. All comes from and the same bank account. 
It does. Yeah, for sure. And they're not big accounts usually. <laughs> um, and, and, and then that recruiting side, just budgeting in general, thinking in, in long-term kind of perspective, you know, and, and this money has to be spent within this window, but this one I can stretch out across this much time, moving money between accounts, I'm not going to worry the details of it, but the, the potential for that kind of thing, the grant cycle, uh, and, and different grants and the duration that they can be when you get the money and how quickly it has to be spent. You might not get the money and then it has to be all gone by end of fiscal. Uh, and, and just a little bit of the timelines of the things that keep you up at night a lot more than the science probably. Um, outside of the kind of, you know, professor side of funding are still in there is just an element of how to spend research funds and where to spend research. The fun part. How much Josh does it cost to rent a helicopter? (laughs) I've never done that. that. (laughs) I've never done that. And then the whole element of, uh, getting into the nitty gritty of procurement and the decisions involved of like, what's the difference between an $80,000 microscope and a $40,000 microscope? Yeah. Or just the budget, difference. Are you better in, off with two? Yeah. Uh, or yeah. is one good enough? It's or a good is one, you know, like, what do you get for the double the price in some cases? Yeah. An important trade off. And, and the difference in buying a microscope versus buying some beakers is, uh, is you know, $80,000 doesn't come around every day to do those sorts of things. So I'm thinking about the strategic part of it for sure. I, yeah, the, I, the real, and that comes down to a lot of times. You know, the things that are really needed that you must have, if you don't have these things, you can't do said work versus the things that are nicer to have and would make things easier for you and for those grad students that you're trying to recruit and just make everything a little bit uh, simpler, faster, more efficient. Um, But some things must occur, must exist rather. Mm. Well, so... Uh, explore the issue of continuous and in some cases continuous funding. Um, so that is like the funding that goes not necessarily to uh, grant students or professors, but funding of research centers in many cases uh, that we've got some um, had some connections with over the years and or networks, the difficulties networks. Yeah. Uh, difficulties in funding like research projects versus long-term monitoring. Uh, yep. which has a very much a paleo kind of bent to it uh, rather than a more general one. Um, Limnology but, generally, yeah, that comes up a lot for sure. Um, funding in terms of institutional funding, uh, you know, the dilemmas of buildings versus people. Uh, usually they're not coming from the same pockets of money. The number of like big research chairs an institution would go for, issues of quantity versus quality in many cases in terms Mm of how who and how many uh you'd have at a research who and how many people you'd have at a research institution um and then retention and replacement of faculty and all those kind of things that come around with things that are a little bit above the individual professor or lab group but really do play a pretty big role in the environment And then I think we could even talk a little bit about, you know, a big 40,000 foot view of university financing in general, in terms of what is the underlying purpose of research funding? 
you know, and like the push-pull between the government funding agencies, the university's institution, and the individual researcher in terms of purpose and priorities, and mm -hmm. um, some of the tensions that may arise, uh, things as they relate to tuition, domestic versus international students, uh, in Canada at least, provincial, provincial versus federal funding sources, how they differ, um, partnerships and endowments, differences with other systems. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think this is a place where we'd see probably a lot more differences in, in systems across the globe, certainly in, even in our own continent, you know, the, the systems in US um, uh, institutions varies quite a bit. There's a lot of a lot more universities, a lot more variety in universities there, state universities, private institutions, liberal arts kind of colleges versus more research intensive quite a bit of variety. So I think that's something that would be interesting to get into uh, because the Canadian system there's variation but and that's often provincial but there there's a lot more similarities there. Things like in the states, you know, professors have to come up with some part of their own salary which seems very foreign to uh to the Canadian uh, academic, uh, but is a real important part of, of the whole picture and, and t feeds into a couple episodes. Yeah. And so, yeah, we'll absolutely have a huge Canadian bias. Um, but I think, you know, I think there's a lot, a lot to dig into there in terms of um, that list of potential episodes. And I think one of the things that one of the reasons that we're doing this introductory episode is one to like straighten it all out in our own heads, but also, I guess this will be the first time where we'll throw we'll post this episode, and there'll still be time to chime in if anyone is interested. If there's anything specific you'd like to work in into that, you know, list of topics, we'll be able to do it in time for recording potentially. Yeah. Uh, that's exactly it. We're going to also try and keep these a little bit shorter. Um, certainly this first one will be shorter. The other ones will depend on how many things come in. But yeah, if there's any specific questions after you've heard this, there'll be time to put it into any of the episodes, even that first one on grad funding, um, which I think is where we'll start. So yeah, if you have any specific questions you've just always wondered, shoot us a, a message, an email, and uh, we can definitely incorporate that because... You know, a lot of our perspective is we'll remember being grad students and the things, but it is also now at the point where we're thinking about particular pictures. And some questions may just seem kind of uh, obvious uh, to us uh, in hindsight, but uh, but maybe burning and probably not just in your mind. And so I think one of the important messages I, I, I anticipate coming up again and again over the next however many episodes is that no one teaches any of you this directly through your graduate student career. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, at the professor level, at whatever other level, um, everyone goes in blind and that mentorship is a key element of learning the ropes. 100%. Jenny, when she got her job, Josh Couric bought her, sent her a book uh, and I think someone had given it to him when he got his job. But I don't remember the exact title. She did give it to me. I can't remember if it's something the effect of you got the job. So now what or, or something like that. Like that was the idea. And it's not just about money. Um, it's probably less about money. It's about designing your research program, getting into teaching service, all the stuff that uh, you don't think about as a university 
academic, uh, you know, you, especially if you've just come from a postdoc. Um, but th this is just one part of that is that um, there, there's no book on finances at universities that I'm aware of, maybe there is. Um, and it would be a pretty dry one if you just sat and read it. But maybe in a few podcast episodes, if you're interested, you'll you'll hear a little bit and and uh, keep in mind that that yeah, if you've never heard a single word of any of these things, that's not unique. Uh, yeah. It is a bit of a black box. Yeah, and I think and then it's like a um, a book on university financing would have a very limited interest. But I'm sure between <laughs> it would have to be just a PDF you'd you'd pass around to people that, that, that's no one would really ever read um no. and it'd be a, it's more a case of maybe we can pull some themes together throw in some you know funny anecdotes of where things went off the rails or yep. you know and it'll, it'll, this will it'll be, be the definitive text on the topic yes <laughs> <laughs> probably oh, not not oh, promising dear. anything oh dear yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah yeah exactly and, uh, and 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 all of it will change too. Like this is at this very moment, with hindsight going back two decades, maybe a little bit more. Um, hopefully, hopefully, at least in a few years, we'll be able to say, "Phew, checked off that increase in stipend for grad students," at least. Yeah. Um, but it is something. In, uh, I think it's an interesting one. I don't know that I actively shied away from it. It just wasn't something that came up a lot. Um, it certainly wasn't something I worried about when I was, you know, as a grad student thinking about money um, from at this kind of level. And um, yeah, I don't know. I wonder if other people do find it something that they're starting to think about, you know, where in your career do you start to pay more attention to it? I'm not sure I can can pin, pinpoint that down. I don't um, think so. Either. I definitely went in relatively blind. I if anything, I appreciate at the beginning of Masters that even, you know, renting an apartment in Toronto um, with my brother and that he did not have a particularly well-paying job at the time either, that we were mm -hmm. able to tread water. We're not no longer racking up student loans and we were able to just yep. keep, 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 keep it going, basically. And yep. I wasn't worried about finances at all. I just I'll figure it out at some point in my life. It's future Adam's yep. problem. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and I think probably that that is less the case. I, I think my read is that students are more financially aware. Uh, our grad students, they just have to be. You know, it's just a, a leaner, it's just a more expensive, more difficult world. And that's probably the world that they've lived their entire lives in, you know, um, I'm sure there are exceptions to that, but yeah, I, I think on that side, um, that's probably not the case and probably hasn't been in a long time. <laughs> yeah. But it really is market specific. Um, and, and, and from, and, and not and a just lot has personally changed too. In the last like three years. Yeah, like I think sure. it's it's changed on a dime. Like I mean, I guess mm -hmm. there was a slow boil going on in terms of like increased cost of living, and at least in the Canadian context, stipends staying mm -hmm. the same. But when interest inflation was at one percent, it was like not yeah. necessarily a big deal. And then there's a bit of a been a spike, yeah. and then combined with yeah. the housing spike recently. That just, yeah, uh, that ninety nine cent. 
if that 99 cent thing of ramen starts costing 5.99 you're like oh <laughs> yeah. this is serious now yeah all right then so we'll leave it there we'll dig into some topics uh next time but for now Want to stick your hand in the mailbag and see if uh, we uh, have anything? Sound effect, add sound effect here, editing Josh. Uh, sorry, we're actually, <laughs> we, don't, we don't have the money for sound effects. There's no money, There's no budget for this podcast. But we did. Just a couple hours ago, I was, I think I was watching my, my son at skating, um, got an email. It was not sent to the core ideas email. It was sent to our personal emails, but from Professor Frederic Bouchard, University of Sherbrooke. But the title was um, core ideas. The, the title was core ideas, so it was a title about uh, or an email about the podcast in in most of its uh, context. And that name may sound familiar. We've referred to uh, Fred a couple times i think um, maybe when we talked about conferences and the pals uh, conference legacy we did talk about one of his papers more recently in the permafrost uh, episode paper he led that uh, we worked on good friend of uh, the show i guess you could say even though he didn't know the show existed until very recently which was the point of the email hi fred not sure you'll listen to this um but thanks for the email it's good to know email. somebody was listening and uh yeah, and the PALS conference that we have um, referred to a couple times before may be revived in the not-too-distant future. It may come back. There's been some discussion about this a, a few times. There was a, a bit of a discussion amongst the Canadian, uh, Ontario, Quebec. I guess was, that's the only paleontologists who were... Oh, no, no, there were people from uh, out, out east. I'm sorry. Uh, the Canadian contingent at the most recent paleo symposium in Bariloche about bringing pals back so maybe we will take core ideas on the road one of these days in the not too distant future year four uh, (laughs) and get some other voices at that event where i feel much more comfortable strong-arming people into talking on the podcast because i've known them for (laughs) well over a decade than uh than just walking up to people in in argentina and saying hey you want to talk on my show (laughs) thanks Uh, and that was the plan Way back in year zero. That was, yeah. Yeah, th- this kind of went uh, went south with uh, with COVID. Among other things. I don't <laughs> think we can cry over the podcast's uh, goal in the grand scheme of it. <laughs> I don't think so either. All right, well, I think... All right, play us off, Adam. I think uh, we've, we've hit the end of our introductory uh, episode. Looking yeah. forward to getting into these. Yeah, so... Once again, thank you for listening to Core Ideas, the paleo-limnology podcast. If you have a question or a comment, or perhaps a suggestion for a future show, specifically one relating to research finances, uh, please send us a note. You can do so by email to the address coreideaspodcast at gmail.com, or you can send them to Twitter. We're not actively posting, but we do check uh, for messages or notifications. Uh, If you want to contact us that way, the handle is at coreideaspaleo, only one A in paleo. We read everything that you send us uh, eventually uh, in any of those media. An archive of many of our past episodes and show notes is maintained on our website uh, at 
coreideas.ajazorski.ca. Uh, but the easiest way to find that link is to take a peek at our Twitter bio. That's right. And if you're so inclined, you can give us a rating, subscribe, leave us a comment on whatever service you're getting your podcast from Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever that is. Those five star ratings and comments are great. We love to hear from you in any manner. Uh, but to be honest, we don't care all that much. We're just doing this for fun still. Yeah. And that's it for today. But we'll be back soon to explore how money fuels academic research in much more detail. Sticking to our ethos of pure knowledge without the economy, even when talking about the economy of knowledge. Mm-hmm.